Restored Gospel Podcast is very happy to bring to you Episode 8 of Stories of the Saints. You know, there's a lot of things we can focus on today in our world that can bring us down, um, cause us stress, cause us depression as we look about at society and we see, you know, where things are heading. But um, I will tell you, by the end of the two hours or so that I spent with our guests on this episode, I felt peace, I felt ministered to. Um, as we spend time sharing and hearing their wisdom and testimonies and even their laughter, I felt uh, hope. Best way I can describe it. I know that you uh, all who are listening will also feel this and understand what I'm saying by the end of this two-part episode. These young men are truly saints. I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy their stories. We've got Andrew Smith, Samuel Jordison, and in the second hour, which will be part two, Jason Kane. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome everybody to Stories of the Saints. Episode number eight, I believe. We have a very exciting show tonight. First time we're going to have actually three guests in the studio. Samuel Jordison, Andrew Smith, and joining us here a little later will be Jason Kane. So many things to talk about, but mostly uh, overall listening to their testimony of Jesus Christ. Hey, you'll help me with this song. I want to please you with a song of praise. I desire to sing to thee, O Lord, a song to magnify and glorify thy name. I want to sing my heart to thee. I want to magnify and glorify thy name. I know uh, Sam and Andrew just got back from a missionary trip, and they have done several of those trips. We're going to listen to their stories about that tonight. We're going to just hear the enthusiasm they have for their Lord Jesus. Um, They've ministered to me over the years, watching them grow and share their testimony, and this is going to be a blessing. So guys, welcome. Introduce yourself. Let's hear your voice so people can put the name with the voice. Thanks for having us. This is uh, Andrew. And I am Samuel. Well, welcome. Welcome. Before we go farther, for the third time, <laughs> a little technical difficulties, but Sam, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very we much. We have a very special, very special uh, <laughs> event that has happened in your life. Tell us what you have done. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, before we, we left for Kenya, um, Zoe and I got engaged, so... That's an exciting life event. Looking forward to it. This is the same Zoe Blue that shared her testimony with us a couple months ago. Anybody that listened to that can tell her personality and love for the Lord and to watch you two come together and be a unit united in serving the Lord. I can't wait to see the things you guys are going to do. So 
I'm very excited. Thank you. Did she know this was coming? She did not. I uh, I made sure that it was going to be a surprise, and, and there was a little bit of some misdirection and maybe false advertising that uh, happened before, so she'd be not on the trail. But um, <laughs> <laughs> when it did come time, she was surprised, and, and, and it was really a, a special time. Um, and then after that, we had to kind of not think about it any longer because we had to focus on Kenya and, and the mission missionary trip we went on then. So now that we're back stateside, that's all we've been, you know, focused on for the last few days. So sure. it's been good. Well, I bet she had a little gleam in her eye over there, a little she, extra yeah. bounce in her step. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I, I think so. And 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 it was it was hard, you know, just to to table that for a little bit. But um, now, you know, it's it's. You know, it's Christmas and or after Christmas, and now we got to be together and focus on a wedding. So exciting times. Well, um, how did you two? So how old are you guys, Samuel? I am twenty three. Twenty three, and Andrew, twenty two. Okay, and Andrew, you uh, work where? I work currently at CPRS, uh, Center Place Restoration School. Doing. Uh, doing <laughs> education, um, educating I, the young ones. That is right. Okay. Um, I know, um, I know my son is very happy that you were there. <laughs> how did you two become friends? How, how long have you known one another? Mm. Uh, oh, uh, we met each other probably eight years ago. I would say it's I would been say something like that. And, um, and we really bonded within the next few years after after meeting over our love for the Lord and um, and we did a couple of caravans. You had Kara Smith on um, as one of the yeah. stories of the saints, and mm. and she did our youth group, our Zion's League, and she took us on caravans, and you know we bonded even closer on that. I'd say um, we had a a period where um, we were kind of distant, but um, that was that was a few years ago, and then we picked up. Right where we left off, it seems, and just been missionary trip after missionary trip, and working with each other, and it's been a really, it's been a really good time. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, I'm just gonna jot something down. I just thought of something else. I would wanted to pick your brain about while you're here. Um, so, and then Jason, uh, he's not here, but I'll let you share. How do you, uh, how do you guys know Jason, or how long have you known him? Mm, I met Jason probably around the same time I met Sam, maybe a, a year, half a year uh, before through school. Well, we always consider Jason our, uh, you can put, you know, quotation, our gateway friend to, to each <laughs> other because there's a group of friends and Jason and I met at the uh, missionary 70s reunion and back in the old two, early 2000s and um, growing up in Lamoni, he was my gateway, um, my first friend that kind of opened up a, another friend group of, of church of church guys, and and I met Andrew at a party when Jason drug Andrew along, and I didn't know who he was, but you know it was five guys and got close pretty fast. So Jason entered the entered the chat early, I guess the friend group yeah. early. He's a founding member of mm. our <laughs> friendship. Uh, well, Andrew, I know Andrew's family and history a little better. Um, but Sam, you're from Iowa, right? Yep. And your dad family still lives in Iowa. Uh, or? He, so he w- grew up in Warrensburg for a little bit and then he moved up to Lamoni area. Okay. And then my mom's from Canada. 
she came Ooh. down for Graceland and then they met at Graceland. And so after, after Graceland, um, they got married and, um, they just stayed around the area. So family's kind of scattered. I got family all over, but, um, most of it's, you know, close by. So, okay. And then Andrew, very, uh, your dad, very special person in my life. Um, Aaron Smith, he came out to Ohio when I was just, uh, finishing up, um, my college and working as a police officer and him and Grant Hedrick were uh, participating in the youth missionary corps. Mm. Of course I met him there and listened to their testimony and it really changed my life. Um, I ended up actually quitting my job thereafter, actually taking a hiatus and joining the youth missionary corps. And that was uh, just a foundation in my life. So your dad has always been very special to me. Of course he was teaching some classes and things when I would come out to camps, uh, even when he was very young. So um, know your family a little bit better, but, um, tell me about your, your upbringing, you know, your foundation and probably knew about Jesus as before you knew, you knew how to know something probably. I, I did know about Jesus and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew of Jesus. That's for sure. Uh, we had a joke, um, for quite a while is that I, I also really loved baseball uh, when I was growing up and, um, my parents realized that they weren't teaching me enough about Jesus when I could name the starting lineup for the Royals before I could name the 12 disciples. (laughs) And, um, but no, they, they raised me very well and I couldn't have asked for better parents. Okay. Um, well, Let's just get right into it. I wanted, so I heard that were both of you participating in some missionary training with Doug? Was that both of you or is that different? different yeah, people? that was both mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Tell me, so Doug Smith, which would be Kara Smith's uncle, mm-hmm. tell me about how, what you did and how you got involved and how that took off. That, the story of that begins at the Walk the Talk camp. And I don't know if, has your has Weston attended that camp? He plans on it next summer. Okay, but um, Kara talked about it when she was here a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and um, and then if she talked about you know like that, it's it's about doing and and action. And so at the end of camp, um, everyone makes a commitment to you know do after camp it's like a dedication service, but it's tied specifically to action and not necessarily. The general, you know, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to study more. It's like I'm going to do this for other people. Um, and during the during the week of camp, Doug was the pastor, and I had started to to pick his brain about missionary trips he had done. And um, I can't remember. I asked him about a trip that had been done that was actually part of the old youth missionary corps that um, that you had been a part of. And and he said, well, it, it kind of you know it faded after a while and. But his, he stood up to give his dedication, and his was that he wanted to teach, um, pass on the knowledge he had learned going in all these places as a missionary. And if you don't know, Doug's been over to Africa about 50, over 50 times in his life, and he's lived there um, for months at a time. And he's even now he's working over there. So he had that in mind, and he got a hold of another individual, one of our friends. Can we name Hey, if the, if you think they won't care, go. Okay, they, go ahead. Yeah, they won't. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin Henson is that <laughs> okay? okay? Sure, okay. sure. And so Doug got a hold of one of our friends, Kelvin Henson, and Kelvin had the the same desire. And so 
Doug spoke to both Kelvin and I and asked if we'd be interested in just doing classes with him. And we said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, it took a few months, but once we did, um, Andrew was more than happy. We talked to Andrew about it. Andrew came and all those classes really were where Doug would preach or not, te- sorry, preach, but teach us classes he had. And then what would happen is we would take those classes and we would study them and then we'd come back the next week and we'd teach them to each other. Sorry. No, and um, what Doug's hope was is when he would go on a trip or even when he would, you know, be preaching at a, at a local branch, he could send one of us. There was, there was a couple more than just Andrew and I and Kelvin, but he could take one of us and say, can you teach the class? And we would go teach the class and he'd know exactly what was taught. And then he could come in with the second class and then someone else could come in with the third class and he'd know the order. And it worked out really well. Um, we were a part of, um, mul- I've been a part of multiple trips with them just teaching and, and it's worked out well. Cause he said, Hey, we need to teach life after death or we need to teach salvation. And just last retreat in Kenya, Angie and I both wanted to teach, they needed a salvation class. And so they were able to split Andrew and I up and Andrew took one group and I took the other and it, it just flows well. So that was, that was the mission of those classes. And now that he's in Africa long-term, those have kind of paused, but when we still get a chance, we like to get back together and learn more from him. So that's been a great, great ministry tool in my life. And it, and it really skyrocketed our understanding and our ministry just to be able to sit under him and be a disciple in a, in a kind of way, you know, learn from him. It's been really good. I don't know if Andrew has any other thoughts on, on what it's done for him or. Uh, that That's just, those classes in general have just been a cornerstone of how I've uh, gone forward in ministry. I think since that time before that I was kind of, um, saying yes to opportunities as they would come. Um, but since oh, uh, his, his big emphasis is the kingdom and, and building the kingdom and, and having the kingdom now. And, um, and since we've been going through those classes, I mean, it's, it's not just saying yes to situations, it's finding situations to, and finding ways to, to help people and, and to spread that kingdom. So it's, it's been awesome. I couldn't, thank him enough for those. I mean, those have been great. What was that like instead of just, you know, sitting down and taking in information and taking notes, but knowing that you were going to come back and actually teach the next week? Were you nervous? I mean, was that a little nerve wracking or was it just, uh, I mean, that's a whole different dimension, right? And you're learning knowing that next week I'm going to need to teach this. So what was that like? Definitely. It was nerve wracking, at least, uh, at first, especially if you were the first one to teach it because uh, <laughs> like we, we joke around um, our, our friend Kelvin will tell a little story real fast. Uh, we were teaching a class. He was teaching the class and he was the first or second one to do it. And um, the way Doug teaches it, he shares a testimony from Africa and Kelvin was going to share that testimony, <laughs> but he didn't remember any of the details. <laughs> and so he's teaching this class and he goes, and Doug Smith has this testimony and Doug is sitting right there and he's like, yeah. <laughs> and Kelvin's like, and I don't remember it actually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it was a really good environment for us to teach and everything. I think that really helped us succeed and learn. 
there were there were times when I would I remember I'd have Zoe and I think Andrew was there when I would before we'd meet with him the next day I'd sit down with Zoe and I'd try and teach her the class just to run through it first and there were a couple times she was like that doesn't make any sense at all what are you talking about and Ooh. I was like oh I don't know um, but just like any topic when you teach it you learn it better than those you are teaching you know you just have to know it better due to questions and and I think that repetition of of teaching it over and and hearing it we heard it probably each class five times because there is within like a week or two so. yeah and so you you learn the material well and and um and not that it's just doug's material but what the lord's given to us in the scriptures and and how to convey it um it's not just learning the information in the scriptures it's learning hey how will this best reach people and how will um how can i convey this best we had um the first time I used one of those classes, Doug actually was scheduled to teach at a local branch um, with a friend, and he had to drop out. And so he he told his friend, you know, these guys can teach the class. And so um, we went down, we, we rode with him, this this priesthood member, went down to the branch and all the way asking him questions, and we taught the class, and he preached the sermon, and on the way back, we just got his criticism or, you know, um, constructive criticism. It wasn't bad at all. But, you know, he gave us pointers and said, you know, this is this is how it kind of felt when I was sitting in the the branch and listening to you talk and it made sense. And you might want to polish this up or you want, want to polish this up. And it was just a, it's been a really good, good opportunity. And I am really thankful that the church is a forgiving, forgiving people because, I mean, everyone makes mistakes and, and we're no different. And there's times when we might be a little unsure or talk too fast or just, you know, not have the answer right there. But it's been, we've had a great support group and people are, people are good. The kingdom, um, I know Delbert or Doug's dad, Delbert taught Adam and I and, and uh, when we were doing that missionary. Uh, and so it's just, it's neat to see that through the generations, one person's faith and how it's passed on to the next, you know, mm -hmm. Delbert passed on to his sons and now they're passing on to, to you guys. And that's, uh, so some people think that, well, you just let the spirit lead, right. And go out and just do it. But do you find there's wisdom in, in like sitting down and like working and practicing and, and giving each other criticism? And I mean, that sounds like that's a little bit of wisdom there to, uh, for sure, because I mean, when I I can tell you when we first started teaching those classes, we were repeating words, but we weren't repeating concepts, and I mean, like we weren't giving concepts back to people. And and now I know that if I mean, it, like Sam said in Africa, when we were teaching that salvation class, I know we were teaching the same thing. We weren't saying the same words because we were familiar enough with the concept, but. Uh, we we knew what we were saying and and not saying that we know that subject so well that we could know it any better than anyone else but um it it just comes from th that environment i think yeah that, that helped us a lot let me let me ask you a question so <clears throat> give me uh give me one of the topics one of your classes so one of them is uh faith that's the okay. faith in the kingdom yeah so that would be something, <clears throat> do you see that as global or do you feel like you have to, when you're in another country that you end up 
changing that at all or what, what's that like compared to a congregation here as opposed to you're in Kenya or where where a lot of I think that one would be mostly global and and sometimes you just not necessarily the culture you're in you have to change it but the age group I mean I think um, everyone can understand that that sometimes you're gonna have to liven it up with younger ones and sometimes you're gonna have to go a little deeper in each point with with people who are more, I don't want to say advanced, but understand a little bit better the gospel. Um, I said faith, but if we have a the salvation class, we tell a story in that just to illustrate how God uses salvation and, and we need salvation and how grace works together with faith and how faith works with, I mean, all those mm-hmm. compounded um, work for salvation and not just one of those. And we tell a story about a man who falls in a well and has to call to his father and there's steps that are taken to get out of that well. And when we are in Kenya, um, we use a man who goes to school in Nairobi and um, the capital of Kenya. And so when he comes, you know, we use the, the local, the local places and we try and change that. At least, I don't know if Andrew's changed that, but when I was in Rwanda, I tried to change that for, to make, to connect best with the, the Rwandese people. Um, And kind of to answer or to pull in the, the last question you had about, um, preparation and um, my you always want to let the spirit lead and you always want to be led by him because he's infinitely more wiser than than we are um, but my goal in, in sharing with them is to is to connect with them on a level they'll understand you know I don't want to say hey when you're holy enough you're going to understand this I want to say hey here's a way you know get a little closer so you can learn a little bit more and so I think to that end that preparation is, is what, you know, why you want to bring in preparation, why you want to take time to say, how will this connect best with the target audience in a way, or, you know, the people you're teaching to, because you want them to understand. You don't want it to be something that they're like, wow, he knows so much. I don't understand any of it because they're not going to get anything from that. That's not, that's not the point at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go any farther, I'm just listening to you guys. I just, Tell me why you guys are in your young twenties. Why are you going across the sea to other countries and sharing Jesus? What I know each of you, I mean, each of you have a personal testimony. I know. Um, so last year you guys started um, a couple of years ago, you were doing some visiting in the homes and we'll get to that probably, but just tell me right now, why, why, what has happened in your life with how has God moved? Tell me your testimony. So I'll, I guess I'll take this first from Andrew. Um, um, I grew up in a branch in, in Lamoni where there was a lot of missionaries. And, and then I mentioned I, where I met Jason in the, in the missionary reunion um, and listening to the testimonies of people who had been, you know, afar off and seen God work in marvelous ways. And I don't want it to sound selfish, but I was always like, Ooh, I want to see something like, I want to, I want to experience stuff like that. I want to see God working in, in those ways. And, you know, to be a part of that work that was going on when I was a kid sitting in the, you know, the chairs, listening to them talk about how this person had this miraculous experience and, and found the Lord. I was like, Oh, well, I want to see that. And I want to talk to that person. And I want to get kind of like what you do with the stories of the saints. I wanted to go directly to them and say, what was it like? You know, question them, get them, get them to answer, 
you know, was this real in you? Is this change real? Or um, how has Christ impacted you? So the missionary trips were were easy. I don't know. It was an easy decision to say, yes, I want to go. Um, and I also had this, um, I don't, not revelation, but in my studying, the RCI camp theme last year was seek Jesus, seek after Jesus. And in my preparation for, I had to preach a, a, a little bit on that at a youth service. And so I was studying that a little bit, but I looked at seeking after Jesus and what that means. And um, you'll, you'll probably recall the story of Mary and Joseph when they leave Jesus in Jerusalem uh, after the Passover feast and they don't know. And so they travel you know, a day's journey. And then they realized that Jesus isn't with his cousins. He's not with his family. And they left him in Jerusalem, this massive city. And they go back and they search for him after three days. And they just, they finally find him in the temple. And, and his mother, I can just imagine Mary, you know, distraught and, you know, angry at the same time and confused and like, what are you doing? And she asked him, why have you dealt with us like this? And when we were in Kenya, I taught a little bit on this class, just a side note. And I asked all the kids, you know, have you ever lost your phone? Some of them raised their hand. Have you ever lost money? Yeah, some of them raised their hand. Have you ever lost the savior of the world? And, you know, no, (laughs) that was Mary's experience. And she's like, why did you, why were you doing this? And he just gives the answer. He's like, you shouldn't have had to look for me hard. You should have known I would have been about my father's work. You should have known where to find me. And that answer, I guess it rings true even today. That If you want to find Jesus working ways, if you want to have a relationship with him, you're going to find him when you're a coworker with him, when you're about his father's work. And it's been, I mean, I've seen so many testimonies, heard, heard so many great things, um, just not just being overseas in Rwanda or Kenya or up north in Canada, just being in the homes like, um, like we talked about with people Real life people hearing the real life stories of Jesus, um, it's been really good. That, that, um, <laughs> I haven't heard that before. So, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to, you know, find Jesus, then you got to be engaged in the work He's engaged in His Father's business. That's that's deep, man. So, so you started out maybe for selfish reasons or whatever, but along the way, you just something grabbed you and, and caught on. You're like, "This is like I like doing this, or I like being engaged in this." Yeah, um, it, and it goes back to I mean, my testimony of Jesus, and I don't know if you want to get in that right now, but my personal testimony of Jesus when I was when I was changed from a a guy who goes to church every Sunday and begrudgingly on Wednesday I would leave whatever I was had to do to go with my parents and and go to church like that, my testimony where that was a, a flip and it was like, Ooh, this is, this is something I need to be a part of. Um, I think, I think that experience of, Oh, I want to, I want to hear testimonies. I want to, I want to hear people's accounts was a little bit of a selfish, but it was always like after, after my experience of, of, of knowing him and, and his love, I was like, this is worthwhile. This is, this is something good. And I've talked to people after who have been like, how do you're a, you're a 25 or not 25, 23 year old guy. And in the past, you know, you're a 20, 21 year old guy, you're a 19 year old guy and you're still involved in the church. What, you know, why, why are, why are you involved and my son's not, or why are you involved and all these people are leaving and what can you do? And I didn't have 
Um, I didn't have an answer. I was like, God gave me this experience that I had. And, um, and that, <laughs> that was it, right? That, that got me, that was the hook and I'm in. Um, I didn't have an answer better than that. And I don't know that I have a, a great answer even now. Um, I talked to get Doug again about that. I said, I don't really know what to say, you know, besides just I, God gave me a testimony. I'm sorry. He hasn't given whoever else um, a testimony like that. But um, Doug pointed out that it's been, you know, from a young age, my, I remember my dad getting up early in the morning, you know, six in the morning to go over for scripture study before work. And, um, and then, you know, being drugged to prayer service, no matter how tired mom was. Um, and Doug pointed out that, it, you know, it was the example of my parents and the people I was around, that it was something they truly believed in. It wasn't just a, a talk. It was a walk the talk. It was a, it was a real thing to them that they were going to follow through with what they had, they had said they would in, in church and they had actually lived it. And that was a big impact too. And so I guess in my own walk, it's been, you know, you follow through, you, this is something real and it deserves, it's, you know, the Lord deserves his full attention and everything we do. And, and I don't know if that kind of trailing off, I don't have a good ending. No, that's I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> your testimony is, is your testimony. And I, I like that. What, Andrew, what about, what about you? Tell me your testimony. What, uh, what got you hooked? What, what happened? Ooh, well, um, you know, uh, Sam pointed this out to me. And we like to talk about this and use this as an example. Um, but when um, Jesus is talking to Peter, and I don't remember the chapter, honestly, but um, he's talking to Peter uh, near the end of his life here on earth. And um, he says, you know, when when you're converted, you're going to strengthen your brethren. And um, by this point, they'd been together for three years already. And uh, when when Sam read that for the first time, he's like, how insulting would that have been if we were Peter at that point? I mean, like we would have been walking with Jesus for three years, given up your livelihood, um, not been around friends, family, really anybody. You just follow this stranger named Jesus. And then he has the gall to tell you that you're not converted yet. Um but it speaks to how important walking that talk is um, because if you're not walking it, you don't understand. You don't understand the talk at all. And um, I think the first time I realized that was actually on a caravan. Um, you know, uh, we, we bonded a lot there because um, I think we just, both of those weeks, we, we went on to um, – two caravans together and one in 2013 and one in 2014, I think. And, and the one in 14, um, I had this, this great testimony that I can now or later. Absolutely. Yeah. So just, um, so our, so our listeners know, they mean that aren't around here. A caravan is where a, a group of people, instead of going to a camp, you kind of take the camp on the road, so to speak, or yeah, explain yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so what Kara did was we we packed up our stuff. We had all of our suitcases, luggage, luggage all that stuff. Uh, we packed for about a week or 10 days, and um, we met at Living Hope Church, packed all of our stuff in a van. She told us our first location, which was a secret until that morning. 
and then we we left and so um we didn't know where we were going until probably the day or night before we left and so it was always an adventure we were always trying to guess where we were going next and it was a lot of fun but it was it was church related work um you're meeting with the church branches wherever you go and if there's not a church branch, you're doing like a service project or okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot like a camp just on the road at different place, places and in the homes of local branch members uh, Okay, don't mm. get as much ministry. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, share your, go ahead and share. Yeah. yeah. So the second one, we went around the East coast. Um, we started, went, uh, through Nashville. Um, we helped at a soup kitchen there, um, then went to, um, North Carolina, stayed with the family there. Um, West Virginia, stayed with the church group there. And then we, we ended out the trip in Kirtland um, at, at the temple. And um, we were really excited for it. Um, the, the service there, there, there was supposed to be a, a service there, and it was, wasn't because we were coming. It was because um, it was a commemorative service of Emma Smith. Um, so they had some hymns uh, that were going to be sung. Um, it, it, was, it was all a song service, but they had 12 or so songs that were Emma's that she had written or liked. And um, we got there and we were really excited. We, we had a group that loved to sing and we had learned some songs um, beforehand that we had um, used. We had, we had kind of like a practice program that we used at different churches as we traveled, so we were always prepared. You know, we had spaces empty for different people mm. to share testimonies and stuff. But um, so we were excited to sing in the Kirtland Temple, and we get there, and we don't know any of the songs that we're going to sing. We look at the program, and and all these are really old songs that we had never heard of before. And so we were <laughs> like, man, uh, we traveled all this way, and, and obviously it wasn't a waste, but we were kind of bummed that we didn't know any of them. And, and there, was, there was no music either. Yeah. It, it, like, it was just the words, so you couldn't even... <laughs> you couldn't really learn. To, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we got to the last song, and the last song was the only one that we knew, and that was The Spirit of God. And um, always the powerful song, you know, and, and if you know the testimony um, of that song in, in the temple... Um, it's just incredible. And and if you don't definitely go look that up, but, um, we, we started to sing this song and we get to the second verse and, um, the spirit is just heavy at this point. I mean, like, um, you know, that feeling when, when your heart is, is on fire and yet your body isn't hot. And, um, I, I was starting to get a little watery eyed and um, silly, fourteen or I, I definitely wasn't fourteen. Um, Sixteen or seventeen-year-old me was like, "Well, it's because of the light that's coming in through the window in front of us." And so I looked down and wiped my eyes, and um, and I looked back up. And if you know anything about the temple, there are um, three rows of three pulpits at the front, and um, and so. I looked up and in the top middle pulpit, there stood a man and he had his arms um, on the edge of the pulpit and he was looking out across everybody. And um, we weren't the only group there, obviously. There was um, probably six or seven different 
um, factions of of the restoration. We had some LDS there. We had um, just every group that would be in Kirtland, you know, and um, and we were all singing this song. But he was looking across all of us, and he was crying too. And um, it was it was just like a dream, you know, how you just know things um, without being told. And I knew this man was um, satisfied with how we had come to that place with one purpose. And I knew at that point, I my, my heart understood what it meant to be of one heart and one mind at that point. And I never, never known up until then. I had heard we need to be of one heart and one mind so that we can, we can um, build Zion and everything. And I thought, well, that's great. Call me when we get there, you know? Um, but when I saw that, that satisfaction, that um, fulfillment of our creation, in in his eyes, I I just knew that's where we had to be, and it lit it lit a fire in me that um, really hasn't. I mean, it's it's probably gotten a little bit smaller and, and faded and, and gotten bigger sometimes. That's just how life is, but um, it's never gone away. It's something I'll I'll keep with me forever, and it's the, that I know that that uh, section in the Doctrine and Covenants that says, if you're not one, you're not mine, I, I know that's true. And um, and really, that's the hook that got me along. I mean, um, I, I'm in it for the long haul now, <laughs> it seems. And that, that was something where it just, um, you know, I had good parents before. I knew facts about the church. I knew that um, Joseph Smith was killed on this date and I knew when I was baptized and I knew that I was supposed to say these things when people were mean to me and all of these different <laughs> things. And and then I got the concept behind it. I knew that it was because God loved us and um, I really felt it that day and that's why, uh, that's why we go to Africa. I mean, um, as Sam joked that he it was for selfish reasons. No, it's it's because he felt the love of God in in his life, and and same with me too. Um, and it's because God's touched our lives that we're um, so actively engaged, and and we could be more. And let's not pretend that we're anywhere close to where we should be, but um, that we're only here because of what He's done in our lives. I love when people almost almost without um, fail, anyone that comes in here, we always feel the need to like apologize and be like, you know, and we could be better and we, you know, we're, we're not that. And it's just, I don't know if that's part of our, um, I, I guess I, I, I see people like you and I, I know already that you guys know that I don't see any pretense or anything. And it's just really cool. But I, I just think it's funny as, as humans, we always like want to put that caveat, but I'm a sinner and it's like, yeah, I know you are, but that's the wonderful thing about God is like, he doesn't care. He just, he knows we're imperfect little creatures. You said something so wise. You said, if you're not walking the walk, you're not going to understand the talk. And so that's like what I'm hearing is you guys, you can teach classes and everything, but if you're not, you know, re- ready to to do, then it's just just going to be words and not uh, expound. Just on one thing, Andrew, you said um, about the being one. What what did that mean? One in your desire 
to know God, one in your, um, like everybody was there for the same purpose or what, what did you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I have this thing when I normally share the, the testimony, I say, um, we have, we had a lot of different groups there. We had a lot of different people who believed a lot of different things, mm-hmm. um, even within our small group on caravan. And if you even looked hard enough, you could find differences with, um, with between Sam and I with, with what we believe. But it was that we, um, we came to a place, we understood that God didn't really um, care what versing of the Book of Mormon we believed in. He didn't care how many sections of the DNC we believed are um, sacred. Mm-hmm. He didn't believe. He didn't really care how many um, times we've. Uh, I I don't even know. Uh, he he didn't really care about all those things that. Um, we like to mm-hmm. we like to pretend are important, and and not to say that um, scripture isn't important. Obviously, um, it is. What's more important is, you know, in um, in Genesis chapter six, verse sixty six, it says, "All things are made to bear record of Christ," and I believe in that moment that we were bearing record of him, you know, if, if you could have replaced any of us with, um, with Jesus in that point and, and he would have, I mean, like he would have say he took my spot in that temple. He would have sang those songs just like we did with those other people. I mean, he, he knows how things are. I mean, nobody would have been on the same knowledge level as him. People would have thought weird things and that he doesn't think are true, obviously. And yet he would have still had that worship with them. I mean, he would have, he would have looked to God and, and recognized that there's a bigger, there's a bigger deal than, than everything else. And, um, so yeah, uh, sorry, that was a, a bad way of answering it, I think, but, um, uh, I think that was, was a good way. I, I, I get it. I mean, I get what you're saying and I think you're doing a good job. That's so pretty, pretty <laughs> was, do you know who that was? That, who was that person? I, I mean, have no maybe, idea. Was it a real person? Was it a, a image of a, of an angel? I mean, I mean, Looked like a real person to me. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah no, I. A, I guess that I doesn't know. matter as much as the spirit that that was revealing what it was revealing to you at the time. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I've been curious myself. I, I kind of, um, his face has kind of faded out. I don't really remember it as well as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if God wants me to know who it is, I'm sure he'll let me know eventually. So. Just, I just feel like keep going off script right here because of what you just shared. Tell me, guys, what? Um, so my generation, you know, I'm in my mid to late forties. Um, I remember still as a young boy coming to the auditorium and having world conference and growing up with a with a church body, you know, with a a hierarchy or a, a organization. Um, I know you guys grew up 
really without that. Um, basically, independent branches, so, so, so different. Um, and yet, when Mary Sue uh, Kennan was here um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months or so ago now, she shared her testimony. And, you know, she's in her 80s. Um, her husband was a high priest, just passed away this past year. You know, she grew up Amish and, and then found the church. And I asked her about the gospel at the end, and she said, one thing I think we've done is we focused too much on the church. And I was really, uh, I guess, a little surprised that she said that, but also a little overjoyed that people are seeing that. And so I want to get your perspective, both of you. What do you, um, what do you, well, I guess it's a different perspective because you don't have the other perspective. What do you, do you think there's still baggage that a lot of people carry or, or, or where do you find your hope? Where do you find the, the freedom to worship? Do you think about the church like that anymore? I mean, okay. I just, I do this. I string out like five questions and I, <laughs> and I guess I'm setting the see, but let me just say this. So we used to do classes with the, you know, go and teach or whatever. We had this little church and it had all of the pictures of the priesthood offices and all that. Well, you can't really go out with that anymore because that's been totally disseminated. Right. So, Where's your hope now? What do you see? So my, you know, understanding growing up in the ashes of what was the yeah, that's good <laughs> I don't, the crumbling the crumbling blocks of of that structure, um, um, it's changed a lot. And it used to be, you know, I grew up and I was upset, not necessarily, um, I wouldn't show it, but the thought of someone had robbed me the chance to be ministered by apostles or, you know, I would never have the, I don't know. There wasn't, there wasn't anyone I could go to and be like, Oh, this is one of the 12 apostles that um, Christ called and, you know, descended now today. And when someone asked me, you know, what, what church are you, you know, where are you, where do you go to church? I didn't have a good, <laughs> I didn't have a good answer. Um, and that's that, you know, that, upset spirit has kind of left me because now, um, now I think my understanding of the church, I'd agree with, um, Mary, Mary Sue, is that her name? Mary Sue Kinnan? Yeah. Okay. Um, in the sense that the church, we use it a lot, um, to be the focus, but the church was always meant to be a tool. That's my understanding, a tool to fulfill the mission Christ had. And, just like if you focus too much, you know, if you got a brand new, I got a hammer for Christmas. I can use that for, you know, if I focus on the hammer so much, and I'm like, this hammer is so, you know, it's an expensive hammer. It's a wonderful hammer and it's perfect. You know, it fits great in my hand and not necessarily on the job it needs to be done. Then I've missed the whole point, you know, and whoever gave me the hammer will be like, why, why you never, why'd you never use the hammer? You know, um, and I understand that the church has a very important role to play um, in in the witnessing and um, carrying, you know, authority for for ordinances to be done, and those are important things. But those are tools to bring us closer to Christ and our relationship with Him individually. You know, to walk with walk with Christ because, excuse me, sorry, uh, Arnold Palmer, <laughs> um, but. <clears throat> He he's his mission has been the same for the past two thousand years is that he wants to be dwelling with us again, um, and he's going to use whatever he can to to do that. And the church is simply a, a tool, and and maybe that's a 
I don't know, a liberal or a blasphemous view to some people, but um, my focus and my hope is never necessarily, is not in the church itself, but um, in the relationship I have with Christ and other people have with Christ. And um, Andrew and I had an opportunity this past spring, uh, sorry, spring break. I got out of school and we went up north to Canada and we visited some homes up there and we visited a family who is isolated and, um, you know, not a lot of no one around the nearest church is like eight hours away, I think, and, and across the border in the States. And so we spent our time there and we were just able to be in this house with a family that loved the Lord, loved the kingdom, um, were bringing their kids up in a way that was um, conductive or um, growing their walk with Christ. And I, I remember I didn't have signal cause I was out of the country, but when I got Wi-Fi, and I was able to text Zoe back and forth, you know, a few short messages. I was like, Hey, I'm in Zion right now. Don't worry. It's, it's good. We're with these people who just love the Lord right now. It was, it was great. And that's where, that's where my hope comes from. When we're in Africa, it's like, oh, you know, we're part of the same church. It's that same living church because, you know, you have a relationship with the Lord and you're using it. You're, you're a member of this, this body and the hope is in Jesus. I think Andrew, I never, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have had a good answer. Um, had I not been to Nepal, I don't think. And, um, that was one of the missionary trips that I went on with Doug. Um, we went to Nepal and India and we did a lot of home visiting there. Um, they 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 were trying to get it to where they did two visits a year and one would be um, a retreat where everybody comes to us and we, we kind of teach and everything. And then in the spring, we would go out and we would visit everyone we could. And um, so I was on that spring trip where we would visit on the, the first one where um, Doug and, and one other um, individual and I, went out and we just traveled straight for 10 days and we were on the road and covered so many miles and everything. And it was incredible. Um, I wouldn't have a good answer for where I find my hope um, until I guess, or I didn't have a good answer um, until I visited a home in there. And, um, you know, they, they don't speak very much English. Um, but we visited this home with this teenage girl and um, we we came in and um, the room is smaller than this room, believe it or not. And um, there's a twin bed in there and um, two cabinets and um, maybe like a, a flat top desk Um like cardboard and um we get in there and and we find somehow find enough seats to sit down and um she just starts to open up her heart to us and um I don't even understand what she's saying you know we have a translator there obviously but um she's just opening herself up to us and uh we just met and um you know, we were able to share testimonies with her. And um, by the end of that time, um, we could see in her 
something that was working in our heart. And, and we knew that um, leaving that place that we had had something in us that she wanted and needed. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it wasn't, wasn't anything like humor, obviously. Um, it, it was that love of God. I mean, it, it was nothing, nothing else. And, um, I mean, that's gotta be where our hope comes from. If, if that, if not that, then why are we here? Um, I, I wouldn't have had a good answer had I not seen the change, had I not seen the worth that it was to someone who has nothing, you know, um, that, that, that meant everything to her. And, and that was so cool to see. And, and we can cover our lives, um, with small band-aids like, um, having a nice car or having a, a job, <laughs> uh, or having a home that's bigger than a 10 by six room. But, um, when it comes down to it, uh, that's all we need in life. We just need God to love us, and and He does. And so when when uh, people don't know that, I mean, you have to find that unacceptable, you know. And so and so when we talk about a church, we need a, a group of people who realize that that it's unacceptable. Just like um, you know, in the Book of Mormon, it talks about uh, they were. Um, they refused to let the Lamanites go without hearing preaching because they refused um, to, uh, how did they word it? They, they said, I don't remember. They said they couldn't stand them not knowing or hearing of the, of the gospel. That's what it was. And, and I mean, that's how it's got to go forward. That's, that's where our hope has to be, I think. Mm-hmm.